and welcome to DK's Take here on MavRadio.fm. My name is DK Kellum, and you know how we do. We do it real big out here, starting off talking about some college football, then transitioning over to the NFL, doing my little Cowboys corner with the advocate. We're going to have another special guest today, Kenny Herrera, high school friend that I went to high school with. He's going to get on the air with me today, and then we're going to end it off with uh, all Madden Talk, the MSR League. But first... Like always, we get it started with staying live in the Power Five with Lynn. How you doing, Lynn? I'm doing all right, brother. Thanks for having me back. Oh man, I'm gonna have you back every week as long as I can have you. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you. All right. Sounds <laughs> good. Sounds good, man. <laughs> oh man, what you think about those games this uh, weekend? Oh man, I told you like last week I was right on all my picks. He know? was, um, he was, and I it, wasn't. All the favorites won. You know, um, the one game against Alabama and Georgia was closer than what expected. I mean, Alabama didn't cover those two touchdown spreads that they were favored by. But, yeah, I mean, everybody won. And you know what? I think they got it right with the final four picks for the college football playoffs. So that's what I was going to start off in in, uh, going on to see if you think they got it right with the uh, top four seeds going to the college football playoff. Just give me a little explanation of what you thought that the uh, BCS was looking for. Or was no, not even BCS. called the BCS anymore. The more. committee, the playoff committee. The playoff committee. Well, first of all, I mean, the biggest debate going into that war room Sunday before noon, uh, it was just all about who's going to make that fourth spot. I mean, because Ohio State, I mean, they looked impressive against, a, you know, a scrappy Northwestern team. Um, but then, like, Oklahoma, man, avenged their only loss, you know, by beating Texas. And then, I mean, Georgia played Alabama so close and so tough you know it was like Alabama's closest game all season man to where they actually looked beatable I mean I, I was really like wondering if they were going to pull it off in the fourth quarter because um, they were so close but um that was the situation and it came down to like well Oklahoma's three-point loss at Texas earlier in the season versus Ohio State's 29-point loss at Purdue but when it all came out in the end actually Ohio State finished sixth Georgia was fifth and Oklahoma was fourth. You know, I didn't even think Georgia would even be in the mix, but that's how much Ohio State's loss to Purdue was frowned upon. You know, and Central Florida, they they wasn't going to get a sniff anyway. They were sitting behind the eight ball anyway, so they weren't going to get in, especially without their quarterback. You know, he's out for the year. But I think they really did get it right. Um, You know, Alabama number one, Clemson number two, Notre Dame number three and Oklahoma number four. Those matchups is going to be, man. I mean, seeing Alabama go against that good Oklahoma offense and then Clemson and Notre Dame duking it out, man, that, man that's going to be must-see TV, I'm telling you. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, I was hoping that Georgia could pull it out because I would have been interested to see if they would still let Alabama in, which I'm pretty sure they would have been in number four. Right. And Georgia probably would have moved to number two in front of Notre Dame. Yep. But um, I think they got it right. I think Georgia can beat any any of these teams other than Alabama personally, but I mean, by the standard of which they've already laid, this is the these are the right teams to get in. Ohio State beat themselves whenever they lost to Purdue by twenty nine points. Right. You can't you can't you know give them get them in in front of a team that lost to the rival in Texas. Was it by three points? Right. Correct. Yeah, by three points. On at a the neutral Red, field. Yeah. Yeah, at the Red River Shootout, and I'm still gonna call it that because <laughs> I'm a Texas guy, and that's what we call right. it in Texas. And then they came back and avenged their loss. So, I mean, hey, I think the right four teams is in. All right, moving on to the Heisman Trophy on Saturday. And I told you who I liked. Right. You know what? <laughs> and after you said that last week, you know, I, I, I gave you a little insight on that. You did. I thought 
I mean, it could go either way. But now that I'm leaning towards, you know, Kyler Murray, like you said, I mean, especially after last week's performance with Tua, you know, uh, with him having a high ankle sprain and then, you know, Jalen Hurts coming and, you know, relieve him. What right. a savior. Right. Just what a, a story for the kid, though. I mean, this guy, was so, on that, yeah. this guy was so scrutinized, you know, ever since last year's national championship game when he got benched in the second half and watched Tua come in to throw the game-winning touchdown pass in overtime. And the quarterback battle heading into the season was, I mean, it was just everybody's headline. And Tua came out the starter, and everybody thought, like, was Jalen Hurts going to transfer? I mean, and, you know, Nick Saban caught a lot of heat, you know, when he – up here blew up on the reporter that asked him about the question, but he was just standing up for his quarterbacks, mm -hmm. you know? And, I mean, I thought Jalen Hurts would transfer because, you know, the trend now in college football is like with the new red shirt rule where you can play up to four games and still transfer. I mean, people are transferring all over, but he stayed put, man. It was well worth it. I mean, couldn't, ha couldn't happen to a better kid. What a good story for him. Definitely a good story. He saved Nick Saban. He, he really, after all that, he still saved Nick Saban. Very good kid. But, uh, Going back to the Heisman, right. who do you think is going to win it? Uh, well, I mean, let's just start off with the candidates. I mean, Dwayne. I mean, really, there's du two candidates. Yeah, really. I'm, well, I mean, you know, but they all, it's, it's the quarterback. It's three quarterbacks. There we Kyler go. Murray, Oklahoma, Tua Tagle, Villoa, Alabama, and Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. Murray, I mean, what can you say about the kid? I mean, he's the AP player of the year. Yep. You know. Came um, out today. Yes. Uh, the Big 12 offensive player of the year. I mean, he has 4,000. 53 passing yards, 40 touchdowns, seven interceptions. I mean, he's first in the nation in total offense, points responsible for, and passing efficiency. And he led Oklahoma to its fourth straight Big 12 title. I mean, this dude really done took the torch from Baker Mayfield. I mean, I, I'm not saying that everybody's saying Baker who, but I mean, like this dude, I mean, he carried that torch. And far as Tua, I mean, he's the SEC Offensive Player of the Year. Alabama's offense averaged nearly 48 points per game. The dude got 37 pass touchdowns, 42 total touchdowns. He's thrown for 300 more yards in five of Alabama's games, and he's tied for second all-time on Alabama's career touchdown passing list with 48 touchdown passes through the air, you know. Um, Dwayne Haskins, the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, he was the Big Ten Championship game MVP. He had five 400-yard games this year. 47 touchdown passes, almost 4,600 pass yards, 51 total touchdowns. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, he led Ohio State to their second straight Big Ten title, you know, and I don't know. He's kind of like the under-the-radar guy, you know, maybe because he, like, I mean, they're all, like, underclassmen, but we're going to see, like, where he goes, I guarantee you. I mean, he, he he's he's not going to win it this year, but he definitely be like probably number one favorite going into next year. Dwayne Haskins will be. Yeah, for me, it's Kyler Murray. Right. And I think it really solidified him winning the Heisman after Tua got hurt. Right. And that just hurt Tua. Even though Tua's probably going to turn around and win it next year, because I, I don't really think just off the top of my head. Uh, you know, Haskins is probably the only one that can probably compete with him if he doesn't go pro. Right. Uh, Kyler is probably going to end up going playing MLB ball because he already has just under a $5 million contract. So why right. give that up? <laughs> so, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be really close. Um, it's going to come down to nitty gritty between those two. I'm very interested to see how uh, the, the, the voting goes for the Hosman. As we got a nice little phone call there. It's all good. That's the beauty of college radio. We can take phone calls on phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing about it, though, is that what he did when he decided to put 
you know, the $4.7 million and a pro baseball career on the back burner to play one more year at Oklahoma, that is unprecedented among student athletes, you know. I mean, he lets you know, and he just set the standard that, you know, chasing a fortune and fame is just as important as getting your college degree, you know. So I got a lot of respect for the kid, you know. Um, Kyler Murray, man, hands down. I, I just think, like, with that alone, his character, because the Heisman is awarded to the most outstanding football player, but also which player means the most to his team. So you take Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma, man, they got, like, three backup quarterbacks that only completed, like, you know, one touchdown pass, you know, versus with Tua, like, when he got taken out, I mean, Jalen Hurts, you know, filled in for him, and this kid is 26-2 and two as Alabama starter. So, I mean, yes, Kyler Murray means the most to his team, hands down, you know. I think he's, he's going to win, and he should, you know. Um, Tua, when I watched him this season, Tua, he was magnificent with his plays, but he kind of tried to force things too much. He tried to do too much on one play where, you, you know, it's like you don't have to all do it on one play. But he, he does too much, and sometimes, like, that can lead to turnovers or some mistakes. He tried to do too much out of a play where you could just live for another down, you know. So, mm. And that's the kind of mistakes he made, you know, in the SEC championship game. And, man, them Georgia defenders lit him up. Yes, they did. I knew they was going to do some cheap shots, but, man, yeah, they definitely <laughs> they, they hit him. It was like a sandwich play. I was like, whoa. We're not suggesting cheap shots on the air, I promise you. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on to just uh, – and since uh, – sorry, you guys, for uh, starting so late. I had something to take care of with at the doctor, so we're going to be like – kind of brief on a lot of things today. I'm going to have to cut some of the uh, program because I have to be done at 5 because I have to edit and I have class. But uh, we're going to go real quickly and talk about just your thoughts on the Urban Meyer retirement. Oh, man. Um, you know what? It really wasn't a surprise to me considering the roller coaster past five months Urban Meyer has gone through. I mean, he lied to the media at Big Ten Media Days, you know, covering up, you know, the domestic abuse scandal with his assistant coach. You know, um, he was suspended three games for that. I mean, he came back, you know, um, Ohio State was playing pretty well. Then that loss at Purdue, you know, but you know what? His team, they showed resilience and they were battled back. And most of all, they beat <laughs> Michigan, you know. And most um, importantly. But at the end of the year, like, I mean, towards the end of the year, his brain cyst, you know, his whole medical problem, that surface. It kind of made you feel sorry for the guy. I know he has a lot of haters. A lot of people don't like him, you know. Um, but you kind of feel sorry for him, you know, with all the whole brain cysts going on, the tumor thing. Um, I just hope he gets better. I mean, regardless of what kind of person he is, there's no denying the, his legacy of winning that he's done in college football. I mean, what can you say about Urban Meyer? He's 190-32 and 32 career record. I mean, he's 86-9 and nine in seven seasons at Ohio State. Three national championships, two undefeated seasons, man. He sent so many dudes to the NFL. But it's he has the perception of kind of running a loose program. When he left Florida, it was kind of on suspect terms. You know, like that program, I heard the players were running the team. We don't even want to talk about the Aaron Hernandez ordeal. No, thank I mean, you, you know, um, and then when he got up here, just like the baggage that followed him and then everything that went on and came about, you know, it just wasn't no surprise that he's stepping down after this Rose Bowl game against Washington. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I don't really want to make any, you know, you know, don't be suspect about the whole case with the uh, domestic violence with the assistant coach or anything like that. I don't have enough information to really talk on it. I do not condone any kind of um, – 
domestic violence, which seems to be prevalent now in in football, not just the NFL, right. but in Kareem football. Hunt. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just you know a story for another day. Right. But I also know after you know, listening to Chris Carter talk about it, he was saying how Urban Meyer had a cyst on his uh, brain, and when he when the tension is really high and he sh- and he stresses. It, it leaks right on, in, on his brain, and he really needs to take some time either to take away from football or to get surgery to remove it. So uh, I think he's a heck of a coach. I think Man, it's one kind of, of one of the greatest of like our our era of our era for besides sure. Besides Nick Saban, I mean, come on now, you know he. Uh, it's just it, the way he was on the field on the sidelines whenever like Ohio State defense gave him a big play and he had dropped to his knees. It's like, man, this dude looked like he's about to have a heart attack on the sidelines. You know, he was really animated, you know, and this year, like different than past years. So there was definitely something different there this season. But, you know, we wish him the best. You know, I mean, I would never wish bad on anybody, you know, a brain says that's something really serious, you know. But um, like I said, he he changed the game. He revolutionized college football with a spread offense. You know, he's the architect of that. You know, um, I mean, the dude's a winner. That's all I can say. He's a winner. Um, rock star guy. I mean, always been a recruiting monster. I mean, I could just see him go into like families, living rooms, sit on a couch and be like, you know what? You know, I want your son to come play at the Ohio State University. I'm like, oh, sure. We're sending it's, our boy there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, that's just kind of like it's a sentimental story. But like hopefully it all works out well for him and maybe he have a happy ending with, you know, the Rose Bowl. He said he'd never been to the Rose Bowl. Yep, I'm, I'm sure they're that. really disappointed by not getting the college football playoff, which is kind of bad for the Big Ten because – Three straight years, the Big Ten champion did not get in, you know, so that's 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 a statement in itself. But he said he's never been to the Rose Bowl and he has a chance to go out on top against Washington, which I think they're definitely more talented oh, than yes. Washington. But are the players going to want to be there? You know, so we'll, we'll, that's just remains to be seen. So I, I feel yeah. like I feel like they're definitely going to play for him. Last game. Oh, yeah, for sure. So just give me your one shining moment of the college football season what's the one thing that's going to live with you you know from this season forever um honestly it's kind of an under radar thing but it's it's kansas state bill snyder retiring after nearly you know 30 years on the sidelines i mean he did two stints at kansas state this dude's a legendary coach you know i mean they named the stadium after him i just remember him and tom osborne when i was a kid you know going at it, you know, with their head-to-head matchups. I just think that 1998 season when they had uh, Michael Bishop and all them, <laughs> they were good enough to win the national championship I was year. living I in I promise uh, you, man. They I, were, was in, I was in Texas, and I used to watch Michael Bishop a lot because that's when Baylor was really, really bad. Right. So anytime Kansas State came to Waco to play, we were always going to watch him play. He was a stud. Now you can, I'll give the mic back to you. Sorry. I got you. It's all good. Um, but, yeah, Bill Snyder, man, he's another, like, living legend, man. You know, um, he just showed his team how – strong he was when he came back to coach even after having throat cancer you know um every coach though when it's time to step down that kind of stubborn like bobby bowden you know he was kind of i won't say he was forced out but he didn't really want to leave you know and we all know how everything happened with joe pa but like after you've been doing it for so long like you don't want to just step away from you know what you what you known all your life you know and i heard that he wants to like leave the team to his son and the administration and the board of regents are going back and forth on that you know but like i said what the legacy snyder's leaving behind i mean 215 wins you know 19 bowl games you know this guy like he came into this program kansas state was like on a major losing streak when he took the job you know and he took 
the program to the mountain. I mean, like he took them to heights like they they never seen, you know. And I mean, it's just really sad that he's going to be stepping away. It's going to be just really interesting to see someone else on the sidelines besides him, you know, for next year. Um, I also have like a take on like some of the hires that's been going on during this offseason. I mean, come on, Mac Brown going back to North Carolina, you know, um, to coach there. He hasn't coached there since 20 years, you know. That, I mean, these guys are coming out of retirement to go back to coach, and it's like you can't leave it alone, you know. I mean, once it's in your blood, like you just – you can't stay away, you know. These guys are coaching till like they're in wheelchairs, I guess, you know. Um, Come on now, Colorado hiring Georgia's defensive coordinator like Mel Tucker, that doesn't kind of make sense to me. I mean, from the SEC conference, but you're coming to come coach in the Pac-12 that's full of offensive firepower. I don't know about that one. And then you got Ryan Day who's going to take over for Urban Meyer. He's the offensive coordinator. I mean, Ohio State's offense has been a good, you know, they've been doing really well the past few years. So that – Hopefully that'll be, for the Buckeye fans, a smooth transition because last time they took an assistant coach with Luke Fickle, Ohio State had a losing season. Mm -hmm. You know, Nebraska even, you know, beat them. Um, and then one more uh, suspect hire, you know, uh, Mike Loxley at Maryland. Like, really? Mm -hmm. I mean, this dude, I know he's done good, you know, at Alabama, you know, being their offensive coordinator. He, he even won the Broyles Award this year for the best, you know, assistant coach. But, man, if you remember a few years ago, he coached at New Mexico. That team was horrible. His tenure was terrible there. But it's good to see, like, coaches bounce back. You know, he, he got back into the coach and he, you know, coached under Nick Saban, probably learned a few more things. And, you know, that probably helped him become, you know, a better head coach. And it, it'll be interesting to see what he does at Maryland, especially after all the – just all the drama that went on with Maryland this season, you know. Um, as far as these bowl games, though, you know, I think like some well, we of can, them, Oh, no, no. We got to save the bowl games till next week. Okay, I got we're, you. We're, 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 we're going to talk about every single bowl game next week and pick a winner for each bowl game that's going to be coming ahead of us. So next Thursday, that will be our thing, is having like our, our bowl game bracket, and then me and you will come with something on the side to, to kind of quote-unquote bet on. <laughs> All right, for sure. So once again, thank you guys for tuning in. That is the first part of my segment, you know, with Lynn from Stay Alive in, in the Power 5. You can follow him on Twitter at Stay Alive in Pal 1, and you can follow him on Facebook uh, find uh, you're gonna Google. I mean, excuse me. You're gonna search "Stay Alive" in the Power Five, correct? Correct. 